Hello and welcome. My name is Juanita Headley, attorney and the founder and CEO of Changing Cases. You are listening to a set of podcasts, a series dealing with the issues of human trafficking, child abuse, and of course, Can you keep a secret? knowing how to respond to the question. Over the following weeks and months, I'm going to take a look at some hard-hitting topics with a view to educate, empower, and inspire you to change the way that you think, act, and respond to better safeguard the children in your world. Stay tuned until the end of this show, where I'll be sharing not only how you can get a copy of my new book, but I'll also inform you of some upcoming live Zoom trainings and how you can contact me to have your questions featured in a future episode of this show. Let's talk about how women can remain safe, albeit if they become standoffish or cold in their interactions in the public with strange men. I saw an article on Facebook, which I'll try to relate to you as best as possible. It is posted on, I believe, Twitter by a girl called Lily Evans. And this is some of what she says. Why some women are rude or cold or standoffish to men in public. A thread. She goes on to explain how she was walking her dog. And on that particular day, when she stopped to take a photograph... A guy offered a snack to her dog, which the dog ate, because of course it's an animal. And what dog doesn't love food from a strange person? She begins that it started out innocently. He asked for the dog's name and then her name. They made some small talk and shook hands. Because he had been so nice to her, she mentioned the weather. In other words, she continued to engage in the interaction. And he asked if he, she lived in the area. Now, Lenny says that she didn't appreciate that question being asked. First of all, she was walking her dog. So therefore, the reasonable assumption is that she lives in the vicinity for her to walking her dog. She said that she does live there and made some excuse about how she had to take her dog for medication. She didn't find that interaction the worst. However, around 200 yards away, when she pauses to allow her dog to sniff and she's texting a friend, she hears somebody shout out, Hey, I thought you were going home. He had followed her. Lily smiles and just says she's texting a friend back, but she's on her way home. However, as she says, and I completely agree, that what she's doing and why she's doing it is no concern of a complete stranger she only met moments ago. He asked her where she lives, and this of course made her uncomfortable. So she made a statement that she lives in a different neighborhood to that where she's originally from. The guy then says that he's seen her around often and this made her reasonably uncomfortable because of course she hasn't seen him but she's wondering how he's seen her. He asks if she has family around to which Lily replies honestly no and then he asks her if she lives alone. Lily describes him as being a strange man over six feet tall probably in the 220 to 260 pound range. So I'm assuming right here this took place in the United States since in the UK we do not make reference in pounds. 
She goes on to say that he was watching her, following her, and he has a rough idea of where she lives from the things that he has said. Furthermore, she's just opened up and told him that she has no family in the area, and he wants to know if she's living by herself. At this point, alarm bells start going off in her head, and when she asks, answers his question about living alone, she's able to tell the truth that she's living with a former military male roommate, but this doesn't stop her from feeling afraid. She starts tugging on the dog's leash to get across the street, and the guy asks her for a hug. Before she can even say no, he wraps his arms around her and squeezes her tightly, doesn't let go for at least 10 to 15 seconds. Lily was terrified that he might squeeze her tighter because she knew that at that position, she was incredibly vulnerable. In fact, he could have hurt her if he so chose. When he finally let her go, she ran across the road with her dog, even though the, right, the light was red, so she shouldn't have crossed. She said she just wanted to get home. What if he follows her again? What if he's able to find out where she lives? Of course, Lily used her wits about her and she took an alternative route home in the dark, constantly checking to make sure that he was not behind her. She was always surrounded by people and would not stay in an alone or darklit area or darklit street, but would instead take a diversion to ensure that she was always on the best lit streets. She says that she has to now make a new plan when it comes to walking her dog. And in fact, because of the winter, depending on where she is in the US, it is getting very dark at 4.45 and so therefore she needs to find an alternative route. She decided to be nice to the guy and he took complete advantage. In fact, one would consider this to be battery because it was physical contact, contact and even more so unwanted physical contact. The man didn't look scary to her. He didn't look weird or creepy. Their interaction, it seemed perfectly pleasant. And so she goes on to say the next time that a guy interacts with a female and she comes across as rude, that doesn't mean to say that it is personal to them, but it may be because of other experiences she may have had. In fact, it's her way to safeguard. Lily goes on to say on her way home on that very same day, another man stopped and told her she had better watch her figure. And she felt that this was because he was watching her figure. She says when she got home, she was shaking and hoping that the first man had not followed her home. She didn't want to ever see him again, which is completely understandable. And one of the biggest fears she had is whether he knows where she lives. By posting this on social media, her desire, as she says here, is that one person can understand how dangerous just being nice to strangers can be. And she says, for those of you who are saying, wow, he's creepy, she concurs, he is creepy. And she had no way of knowing or discerning whether indeed he was harmless or not, until of course it may have been too late. And then she says, and for those of you telling me to stay safe and protect myself, being rude is a way of staying safe and protecting myself. When a woman you don't know brushes you off, won't say hello or take a compliment, that is her way of protecting herself. So next time, try and consider why she may be acting that way. Consider that if she is nice to a man who later turns out to be creepy, people will tell her she should have been more careful. So what Lily is saying here is that if, God forbid, something happens to her or happens to another female, unfortunately there will be victim blaming where people will say, well, you should have been more careful. And that is one of the difficulties. A person may appear to be friendly, warm, just making polite conversation. However, 
from what she's expressing here, the questions the guy were asking her may have been harmless on the surface, but we cannot speak for his character or for his intentions. Even I can make reference to my own experience. I've had people ask me when I travel if I am alone. In fact, on one occasion, I was staying in a hotel when I had worked out of town. And when I was on my way back from work that day, I came across an Asian guy with a face mask on. Now, this time, because of lockdown, we all had to have face masks on when we were in a public place. Now, for some reason, unbeknownst to me, the police were still at the hotel. What I had been told earlier is that there had been an assault. Now, they hadn't specified the nature of the assault, whether indeed it was a physical assault or a sexual assault. And truth be told, when I had left that morning and told to leave via a different entrance because of the assault, what came to mind was a physical assault, maybe drunk and disorderly. That was what I was thinking of. It never crossed my mind that it could be a sexual assault. But when we consider that it's a hotel with enclosed spaces and bedrooms, a sexual assault is highly likely. When I returned home, and this is more than eight hours later, this Asian guy was standing on the stairs and he was in an interaction or conversation with the policewoman. I tried to get past him so that I could leave and go to my room. However, she told me that I would have to go outside and enter through a different entrance. But what gets worse is that she actually told this guy that he should follow me so that he could find his way into the hotel. That's exactly what the guy did. And so as he follows me with his mask covering and obscuring his face, he starts interacting with me. Now, I have no idea who he is. I've never met him before. I don't know if he's a guest at the hotel or not. And he told me that he was a guest and that he had paid thousands of pounds. Now, I was staying in a very budget hotel. So budget, in fact, that the shower was in the bedroom. But that's not the budget part. The shower was right beside the head of the bed. So I, of course, with my phobia of spiders, slept at the other end of the bed. But the shower was right there. And when I say right there, I mean if I was to sleep at the top, I would have literally turned my face and the glass or the plastic of the shower would be right in my face. And so rather than do that, I slept at the other end. There was a sink in there. It was very small. And I shared a toilet with other guests on the same floor. When he expressed that he paid thousands, I found that hard to believe because having found the hotel on the, on the internet, it was one of the more reasonable hotels and it really wasn't up to standards. It was very unhygienic, very dirty, but it served its purpose. As we're walking, he's talking to me and he asked me if I was alone and I said that I was not, that I had a friend nearby. Now, that wasn't the complete truth. It wasn't a friend. It was actually a supervisor who was also staying in a hotel not too far from where I was. And so I guess you could say that wasn't the complete truth. I guess you could say it was a lie. But I clearly wasn't alone. There was somebody in the vicinity. My workplace wasn't so far from there. And so as we continue on, he's asking me questions. I don't recall the nature of what he's asking me. But I can certainly say that asking me if I was alone and if I was with people certainly made me uncomfortable. Even when I've traveled overseas, regardless of the country, when a man asks me if I'm alone... I will always say that I'm not. I will say that I have friends. In fact, when I was in India with a friend and we were on a motorbike of a stranger who was driving us home because the taxis were overcharging us, he stopped and stopped, which petrified my friend. But for me personally, because I do not have a spirit of fear, but of power and of a sound mind, 
I had no fear whatsoever. By the grace of God, I've traveled the world and not one hair on my head has been harmed. And I believe that will be the case so long as I obey and listen to God's leading and his prompting. And we drove through these streets that were wide, very broad and wide. And when we drove through these streets, some were well lit, others were not. The signages were evidencing that we're going in the right direction. But of course, when you're on the motorway, it is very different to when you're on side streets. My friend was very scared and I kept trying to get her to relax because I believe when you have fear, just as how dogs can often sense your fear, a predator also can. They can see and identify that, particularly when it comes to your body language, your tone of voice, the fear that may be in there, even the way that you avert your eyes. And so I felt personally that her conduct and behavior would put us more at risk. And so as best as I can, I tried to keep her calm. I am sitting behind the driver. And I remember when I was on the bike, I had my bag in front and he kept suggesting to me that I could put my handbag at the front. Now, I was never going to do that, whether there was money inside or not, because usually I keep my money hidden in various places. Irrespective, I was not going to take my handbag from where it was and, and bring it to the front. And she made reference that he wanted me to remove the handbag because by me placing it between myself and him, there was a barrier, so to speak. If there's no handbag, then I would lean into him. And in other words, she was saying that he had an impure motive and he wanted to have the bag removed so that I would lean in towards him whilst we're on the bike. And she's communicating all of this to me, and which is one of the reasons, of course, why I would not have removed the, the bag, but also because of wisdom and the fact that it's my property and by the grace of God, I've never been robbed. I believe that will never happen, but I want to keep my belongings close to myself. It is not so much about being a stranger. Even we can have friends steal from us. I know of stories where people have friends or even family steal from them, maybe not rob them per se at gunpoint, but such things do happen. And so for that reason, I kept the bag close to me and we continued on and I'm seeing the signages up and they're in English and in Tamil as I was in Chennai and so I realized that yep we're, we're in the right area and as we were driving he's asking different questions he offered myself and my friend some chewing gum which we both declined of course we're going to decline it because for all we knew that chewing gum could indeed have been spiked I mean this is India and anything is possible and even the fact that when he initially picked us up from we were waiting at the restaurant and this is around 10 30 11 o'clock at night it's quite late at night and we got on his bike and he drove a few feet down the road and then he stopped and said he needs to go and pick up his helmet so he goes back inside picks up his helmet comes back out and then he gives me chewing gum to hold which i was confused about i don't see why i need to hold your chewing gum when you have pockets and you have on a jacket that you could put it into so i didn't understand that and then he asked me to give him some chewing gum, which I did. Now, for me, this was very perplexing. I am not his wife, girlfriend, or his chewing gum holder. So I didn't understand what was the purpose and motivation of this. And then he offered us, and of course, we both declined, which is wisdom, complete wisdom. Because at the end of the day, it may appear to be just gum. It may appear to be packaged, but that's really hardly the point. And as we were continuing to get closer to our destination... He's asking questions about who we're with and all this type of thing. And so thinking on my feet and doing my best to sort of overshadow the nerves and anxiety of my friend behind me who is speaking to me. And of course, because we're in such close, confined space, there is every possibility he will hear what she's saying. She kept asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? 
not as though she was a, a young child who's being impatient. It was really coming out of a place of fear. And I said, yes, we're almost there. I recognize it. Now, unfortunately, I was lying to her. I didn't recognize anything that the signboard is telling me. Having been to Chennai multiple times, the signboard is, is indicating to me, yep, this is the, the area. And having been around a couple of times by taxi and bus, I have a fair idea. So I felt pretty confident. And then I recognized the landmarks and I could see, yes, we're getting closer and we continue on. And I told him we really need to get back really quickly because we are meeting our friends there. Now, they were not our friends, but they were people who were part of our conference who were also there. And so the point is, I was just communicating to him that, you know, there are people who are expecting us. And, and what it is, rather than behaving like my friends and being tense and fearful, I kept sort of tapping her leg to try and get her to be relaxed, but she was expecting the worst. I know that the God that I serve would not allow me to be raped, robbed, or murdered. I really was convinced, injure or no injure, I was convinced in the God that I serve. She is not of the same faith as me, and I can't speak for how strong her belief is in her God, but I know, and as is evident, nothing would happen to me. And so I, I gave some sort of story about our friends waiting for us and that we had to hurry because we had to go to the airport and things like this. And when we did eventually arrive, she jumped off the motorbike as though there was a hot poker underneath her. And I got off and then the guy's asking for a hug. Unlike the situation with Lily that I described, the guy asked permission and I declined and I gave him a high five. But in, in Lily's case, the story I read earlier, this guy actually attacked her, so to speak, and not attacked in a, in a sort of violent fashion, but threw himself at her, which is wholly inappropriate because he doesn't have consent. She did not consent in, in word, in action or anything. And that's what he did. In this instance, the guy asked, I declined, I high-fived him, I thanked him, and that was it. And we left. And when we left, we bumped into some of our acquaintances from the conference. And I know that my friend was probably still <laughs> shaken up by the experience, very shaken up by the experience. She really thought something would have happened. And as I said, nothing did. I, I had faith in God and I believed all would be well. And if I had felt any sort of way, I most certainly would not have put my life or the life of someone else at risk just for a free ride. At the end of the day, the Lord provides. And I've heard a sort of story about a guy who's in the sea and he's drowning. And a large boat comes along and he says that he's not going to get inside. Why? Because he's waiting for God to rescue him. And then another boat comes along and likewise he does not get inside. And when he dies and he goes to heaven and God says to him, nice to meet you. And he's like, God, I was waiting for you to rescue me. And God says, I sent you two boats. And that is the thing. When we have a spirit of fear, we're like this guy. We're waiting for the heavens to part and for a voice from out of the clouds to come and, and communicate. It doesn't work like that in the real world. God can use absolutely anything and anybody to protect, to provide, to support. I've even heard stories of girls who have been in the mall and some random female comes up to them, hugs them, says, oh, it's so great to see you. And whilst hugging and embracing this complete stranger, they whisper in the air, someone is following you. And then they would either continue to, to walk along as though they're friends or that young person who has been rescued, if I can call so, will, will be aware of the danger and then is able to respond accordingly. In fact, one lady similarly saw a child who had been followed 
and wound down her window and explained. And I believe, if I remember correctly, she drove alongside the young person until they were able to get home. Think about it. These are complete strangers who I appreciate it's females, but even so, we do know in this day and age that both males and females do commit crimes against the person whether that's a sexual offense, assault, even murder. And so we can't assume, okay, because it's a female, it's safe. Because there are stories where we have couples who work together in an attacking or even abusing, murdering an innocent victim. And so in our instance, this guy wasn't an angel. He was just a person who I believe at that time was used by God. For all we know, he could have indeed been involved in any form of infraction or, or criminal activity, including offenses against a person, particularly a female. We don't know that. However, I am convinced that because of the God that I serve, even if that was the case, because God is a protector and a provider, even if a person has bad intentional malice, the Lord can use anything. It says in the Bible that he will allow the stones to cry out if we're not going to worship. And so we have to consider, for example, when we are in a situation what do we do and what can we do to safeguard and protect ourselves? Lily has made certain steps and certain decisions to prevent and avoid ever coming into contact with this person again. But then if you think about it, in the instance where I referred to myself and my friend, we were stuck, we couldn't get a text at a reasonable price, what are we going to do? We could continue to stay where we were and become more of a target the later it got or get on a motorbike and by the grace of God get back safely. In reference to my experience in the hotel with this Asian guy whose face was covered, in fact, I said to him, I can't hear you because your face is covered. He was speaking like this. I couldn't hear. And what I observed in that experience is that because we were wearing masks and when winter comes around and we're wearing a woolly hat or some head covering or a hood as well as our face being covered, how could you identify a perpetrator how could you identify somebody who performs a crime against you or someone else that you observe for example you are a bystander and you see an offense take place the the question is how exactly would you be able to identify you're an eyewitness to identify when all you're seeing is the eyes even when you see the complete face of a person often we're not able to recollect exactly what the nose looked like the cheeks now, as he's following me, I use wisdom and I come to the hotel and I continue around until I come back to the reception. Now, I needed to get the hotel manager's contact information to see if they could arrange some form of discount for me if I'd be staying there on a regular basis. I spoke to the police officer and said I need to find the manager and she said he's not here, but there is some staff. Like magic, a staff member actually appeared from a different direction. And so I said to him, I need to get the contact detail of the manager. He said to me that he will certainly do it and bring it to my room. Whilst we're having this interaction, I'm actually on the other side of the wall. The policewoman is there and the Asian guy is standing facing the policewoman. But I'm obscured. I'm around the corner. And the guy says that he's with me. I shake my head profusely, silently, but profusely. And I mouth the words no to the policewoman. And the guy is saying he's with me. He is not with me. I don't know who he is. In fact, the policewoman had told him to follow me, the complete stranger, so he could get into the hotel. The young guy I had been talking to and asking for the contact details of the manager, I asked him if he knew my room number. 
and he shouted out 206 I was like shh I was so concerned because when he shouts out the room number the guy who's just around the corner would overhear that and because there is an entrance that he could enter into and exit out of he would have the access to be able to get inside the property and then of course to stake out my room now along the halls where the rooms are there are security cameras whether those security cameras are recording whether those recordings are simply live or whether those recordings are saved is a very, very important question. Irrespective of that, when all you're seeing is the eyes, how easy will it be to identify a person? Furthermore, security cameras have their place and their purpose, but the question that I have when it comes to security cameras is when a person is a victim, when a person is a perpetrator, when a crime has been committed, all the security cameras actually do is produce evidence of what took place. Security cameras do not stop the crime from happening. They do not necessarily deter the criminal. All they do is capture the evidence. However, if he had manhandled me into the room, there is no evidence of what happens inside. It would simply be my word against his, which is hearsay unless there was other evidence. But by the grace of God, that didn't happen. And with that experience, it makes me think, the police officer's job is to serve and to protect. We hear that a lot, particularly in the United States in American movies. This policewoman, she failed. Why? Because she told a strange man to follow me. When the young staff member came to the room with the business card, I told him what had happened. And he said to me that, in fact, this woman, sorry, this guy had followed one of the women who works there. He had followed her and he said I should talk to the police. Now, I didn't feel very comfortable after they had created this situation, but he insisted. And so I went down, I spoke to the policewoman and told her what happened. And she told me that he had said strange things to her, too, and that she thinks he was either intoxicated or had mental health issues. That for me made zero sense. If there is a person you're concerned about, somebody who think is either under the influence of drugs or alcohol or has severe mental health issues, and is a safety issue to the public, why on earth would you have him follow a female into a hotel? That is a lack of wisdom. However, I am so blessed and grateful that I have a God who is greater at protecting and serving his people. And as a result of that, no harm came to me whatsoever. Whether you're male or female, you've got to take precautions to protect yourself. When you're a man, you're less likely to become victim to a sexual assault. But that doesn't mean to say you will not be attacked or robbed. When a person is drunk, they may just lash out at you for no apparent reason. When you are in a secluded place, you're at risk of being robbed. It's about using wisdom. Do not wait for something to happen for you to take the necessary precautions. With Lily, she's had these experiences many times before, and she didn't think that this conversational interaction would turn in the way that it did, where the guy invaded her personal space and hugged her. Think about it. Think about what you could do in a situation like that. It's not about judging, it's not about comparing, but considering if such an incident happens to me, what would I do? When you can already preempt the possibility of something happening, then you're able to better respond if, God forbid, something like that does take place. So let's take advice from Lily. If someone says to you, hi, good day, whatever, and you're a female, and you feel being rude is your protection, I'm not going to sort of advocate being rude, but I'm going to advocate doing what you feel is right, of course, in the best way, in the most respect, respectable way possible. Do what you feel is right to protect yourself from harm. And of course, with guys and men, 
try not to take it personally. Sexual assaults, rapes happen too, too frequently. And if a woman is afraid and she's vulnerable, she may respond in a certain way, but it doesn't mean it's about you. It's just her way of protecting herself. Thank you for listening to another episode of Can You Keep a Secret? I trust that the information has been useful to you. I believe that we all need knowledge and education. And when we have a better understanding of topics such as abuse, it enables us to better safeguard the children in our world. For a better understanding of the topics being covered each week, then please reach out to me for a copy of my new book, Can You Keep a Secret? You can follow me, message or email me so that I can answer your questions in upcoming episodes. We can all learn from one another and this is an educational series that I hope will impact and change not just your life but also that of the people around you. You can find all my contact details on my website changingcases.org that's changing changcases.org Remember to share this podcast with friends and family members. There are victims and survivors in your world. You just don't know it. But if we can all be educated, then the world will be a safer place. Please tune in next week for another episode.